Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, whether they're eBooks or earrings. Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Uh, today, we are with Adam Miller, and Adam is founder of Budding Tech and is a board member of the Medical Cannabis Council of Australia. He's also on the advisory board to the Global Cannabis Applications Corp., which is a global leader in the development of innovative data technologies for the cannabis industry. So welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me. And I'm really excited about this one, this conversation, because you know, I think that, uh, so I'm, I'm based in New York. We're all excited about what's happening in New Jersey and in New York State and some of the East Coast here. But I actually think some of the bigger and probably more interesting aspects of the cannabis market is actually international. So, you know, I'm really excited to kind of hear what's going on in Australia, uh, what you're doing down there, um, how that's kind of feeding into more of the global market for cannabis um, and, uh, you know, how, how we're really treating this as an international market rather than just kind of this, you know, local, you know, state by state, country by country kind of thing. So, so it's excited to have you on. Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Why don't we start with just a little bit of background? So I'm always curious about people's stories, about how, how they kind of got into the space. What was uh, the situation? But give our listeners a sense of how you got into uh, how you got into the cannabis market. So I had a few interesting uh, intersection points. The first was in 2014. I so happened to meet Governor Hickenlooper in Colorado. I actually shook his hand at a at an event that he was running to raise funds for his campaign for re-election. 2015, I found myself in California and uh, I was looking around and I thought this was a very interesting space that was evolving, but didn't really pay too much attention to it because uh, the way that the the system was set up, it was, it was so far from what I could conceive that Australia would, would adopt that was just a, a, another 
amazing thing that the Americans had figured out how to do. And then I started to read a little bit more about the medical application of cannabis, the innovation that was taking place in America and Canada and Israel. And my eyes really opened up and I will never forget, I was in my parents' front yard, I was visiting from uh, out of town and uh, I had read an article about a startup in America called Ease Applications and um, had an insight moment that the cannabis market would hit the Australian shores uh, quite soon. And, and sure enough, that happened uh, about uh, six to eight months later, the Australian government federally legalized yeah. cannabis for medical use. So I found myself involved in the space really by somewhat dumb luck, but I'm very interested in the medical application of cannabis. I truly believe that it is uh, quite a profound medicine. And I also, uh, I have a, a personal family member who is in need of this medication yep. and, and the accessibility of it is just not here right now. So for people who are very dear and close to me, I, I truly hope that um, in the near future, cannabis in Australia will become more accessible as I see it's uh, in deep importance. Yeah. And where is Australia at this point? So you say that it's federally, they've passed, passed legislation to make it federally legal for medical use. Where, give us some more insight on where the market's actually developed, what is available, what's not available at this point. Yep. So um, I'll give you a bit of the background. So yeah. in February 2016, the federal government amended the Drugs Narcotics Act. That's the legislation around narcotics drugs. Mm -hmm. And the amendment was specific around the, the cultivation and manufacturing of cannabis for scientific and uh, medical purposes. So scientific being it can be grown for botanical research mm -hmm. and medical use is the use that patients get from the plant um, as well as clinical research. So this was the first step. Uh, oh. The second step was in October 2016 when the federal government rescheduled cannabis from Schedule 9, which is the equivalent of a Schedule 1 in America, okay. to Schedule 8. So moving it from a prohibited substance to a controlled substance. Got it. And over the last two years, the cannabis industry has very slowly started to grow. Now, although cannabis is federally legal, the system is very different to how it's set up in, a, in America. Yeah. It's a very, very pharmaceutical-focused model. So products have need to demonstrate a safety and efficacy profile and there needs to be quality data that has been uh, gathered uh, to ensure that what the patient is getting is not only high quality consistent product but it works yeah. across different patient groups and because there are very limited products with that type of profile only 600 patients in the last two years have actually been granted federal approval to use cannabis um, and if you look at the german market for example in in germany the medical market um, established at a, at a close proximity to the Australian market. And in the first year, about 13,000 patients gained access to some sort of medical cannabis product. So there's a big discrepancy there. What, and what, um, was, what and drove the discrepancy? Well, the, the main factors are the quality control products. Okay. Australians are very conservative people, much more different to the American and Canadian population. Mm -hmm. Australians are conservative. They go by the books and they, and they pay a great deal of respect to the medical authorities and the, and the regulators. So although cannabis is federally available, it's not endorsed by the um, Australian Medical oh, Association and Royal College of Physicians. Mm -hmm. And there, there's not an open support from the federal government. Although there is a lot of public displays of support, actions speak much louder than words. And 600 patients is a, a dismal amount um, yeah. in my professional view. Yeah. So, so it sounds like there's kind of these two threads going. One is the 
kind of the re- regulatory, scientific, operational, industry side, and then there's kind of the public perception, the endorsement, the kind of the stance on cannabis as a medical tool that's mm-hmm. still being developed. So wh- where do you and where do you think this is going? What's what's the time frame for some of these things? Do you see any uh, anything that's coming down the pike that's going to change the the situation? Well, it's it's hard to say. I mean, in the last few months, the federal government announced and legislated export. So that was announced in January and and the amendments were changed a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So in Australia, you can now legally export cannabis products. There are some minor caveats around that, but technically it works. Mm -hmm. So so the, the industry has been enabled. It's the challenge is the patient population. In order to get a license in Australia, you need to demonstrate your supply chain. So when you're applying for a cultivation or a manufacturing license, yeah. you need to be able to not only um, explain who the the end user is, but you also need to ensure that every single relationship that equals the the uh, or gets to the end user is is met. So uh, a cultivator needs to have a, a relationship with a manufacturer. A manufacturer needs to have a relationship with the distribution networks, etc. Now. So you actually have to show you have to show a complete supply chain from production from grow to actual putting it into the hands of a patient who is prescribed this that particular product. Interesting. Correct. And you need to be able to have those relationships in place before applying for a license, which is even more tricky. So for the first year or so, there was a scramble in the industry for people to form these relationships. Now it's a little easier because the industry's developed, but initially it was quite challenging and it still is. But the biggest challenge is demonstrate who your patient population is. Although there is a, a, a body of evidence that supports the use of cannabis for various patient populations, um, Australians really love those clinical trials and yeah. the end-to-end trials. So, you know, it's, it's all well and good to say that we're um, producing a medicine for patients, but you really, you need, you need the data to support that. So the, the market growth is limited, as I said before, 600 patients. Yeah. Uh, and that's really because there's, there's, there's not enough um, fully-fledged clinical trial data points that are available, and anecdotal data just does not do. Yeah. And uh, the medical communities don't endorse the GPs in Australia to prescribe cannabis. And if they do, there, there are some rigorous approval processes, both at the state and federal level. So it's really, there's, there's not only jumping through hoops, it's jumping through hoops with flames um, with, under a tanks of sharks, <laughs> uh, with with yeah. and blood in the water. Yeah. So it's it's challenging, but it, again, you know, it the it's the beginning of something, and it will change over time. I yeah. anticipate in about two years it will be much more accessible, yeah. and I and I really think that the government's looking to introduce a local supply chain with a quality product that is consistent yield after yield. And once they've got those quality control measures in place, I, I anticipate then the the market will open up because as it stands right now the political pressure is quite significant yeah. and uh, patients are just getting fed up that's the the truth of it yeah yeah so so tell us a little bit about how you're kind of playing in this space now tell us about bunning tech and and some of the work that you're doing where are you trying to move the needle in terms of this market uh, thanks for asking that question yeah budding tech we, we've got a few the initial vision of budding tech was to develop a medical cannabis accelerator. So you guys have got Gateway and Canopy Groove. We're building a model for medical cannabis and hemp here in mm-hmm. Australia. So that's that's our one 
That's one aspect of our business. Just by virtue of the fact that we've been doing this for about three years now, we also have a consultancy and service arm. So we help companies apply for licenses. We assist them with forming an Australian developed strategy and implementing that strategy. As well as that, we help them connect into a, into a network. So Got it. we find ourselves across the supply chain, building relationships, managing projects, applying for licenses, and on the opposite end, really supporting a startup ecosystem to, to evolve. As well as that, I, I also founded uh, the Medical Cannabis Council in 2017. Mm-hmm. It's the country's uh, first official cannabis association. We're a not-for-profit, and we about have, we've just passed over the 70-member mark. So right. I'm really impressed with the work that we've been able to achieve in uh, less than a year. It's been a tremendous journey, but um, you know, there, was, there was a lot of fragmentation across the supply chain. A lot of different groups with very similar intentions. No one was communicating. Yeah. So the council's core objective was to unify the voice of the industry and to create one single front so that we could um, communicate and then collaborate and um, get our message across to government consistently with very little variance in that messaging. Great. And, and tell us a little bit about the business landscape there from a cannabis point of view. Like what is What companies are in place? What's been happening? Where is there, Are there... Uh, is there a lot of uh, investment, a lot of startups kind of uh, in this space or are things, and is it a slow, slow simmer or are we into a boil like we are here uh, in the States? It, it depends on where you're looking. I mean, in the last two years, about 20 companies have IPO'd in Australia, okay. mostly internationals coming into Australia doing reverse listings. Okay. But uh, there's a very sophisticated investor network that has an eye on cannabis here in Australia. So companies tend to gravitate towards that strategy. A large amount of startup capital is required to, to set up operations here in Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you've got to remember that we're very close to, to China. So, And we also have a reputation for uh, in China for having high-grade products. So Australian products in China are well-received. So people are adopting a long-term strategy approach to uh, the Asia-Pacific market. So the kind of companies that you're seeing birthed out of Australia are primarily cultivation and manufacturing companies, pharmaceutical-style businesses that are developing cannabis therapies for uh, patient populations. Mm -hmm. The startup activity is somewhat minimal. You're not not seeing many ancillary service providers setting up in this marketplace, limited tech opportunities. Not to say that there won't be any. We are encouraging that... that, um, project to evolve. But right now, given the way the industry has developed, the the infancy state that it's in, there's less traditional tech-styled startups and more pharmaceutical-styled businesses being developed here. And then there's the hemp market, which is growing quite quickly. Last year, there was a change to legislation that allowed for us to finally have hemp food products available yeah. here in Oz. Um, I, I just did a lecture at a conference called the Hemp Expo. And um, it's definitely a, a space that's evolving quite quickly. So I, I anticipate the hemp industry is going to to boom, and the cannabis industry will bud uh, shortly thereafter. Yeah, yeah. So, and in terms of the bringing in, uh, trying to bring one voice to the market, what are what, what are the things you're focused on? Are there any messages or intentions that you have in terms of trying to unify or trying to communicate to government and to the uh, the rest of uh, the rest of business? what's happening in the cannabis space and what, what kind of support and what kind of integration it needs? Mm. Well, we're at the beck and call of our members. So we, we have a very close dialogue with our members and uh, the agenda is set around what their objectives are. So we have a number of committees across the, the supply chain. Mm-hmm. These committees are solely focused on determining the agenda for education, 
or for licensed producers or for export. Our mandate is to build an industry backed on evidence mm-hmm. and high quality products um, for patients. So that mandate sits above the council to build an industry that supports the these um, since the launching of our council. But primarily what the objective is, is to ensure that our members have a consensus and we put that consensus to government. So uh, an example of this was when the government had put out a a request to industry to understand what the position on export was. Uh, We consulted with our members and put through a submission to address the government regarding the cannabis industry's um, interest in in export. And that then was successfully implemented about eight months later. I won't say that the Cannabis Council was solely responsible for that, but Mm -hmm. we, I I definitely say we played a role in um, shifting that position in the, uh, at a government level. Good. And, uh, you know, I'm curious about the export piece because I think that, you know, as much as all these local markets have growth opportunities and are doing interesting things, uh, I think the international side, you know, once you start looking at cannabis as an international market, it's a whole different ball of wax. What, what do you see happening at, at an international level? How do you see Australia playing into that? What, mm. what do you think is going to be, what can we expect over the next 12, 24 months in terms of development of an international cannabis market? Well, the reason the federal government opened up export is to empower the local industry to have an additional revenue model yeah. that could sustain their uh, or to keep to keep it viable. Really, now I don't know if you know this, but uh, Australia supplies about forty percent of the world's poppies. Oh, interesting! Uh, I did not know that. So we have a yeah, we have a, a reputation for producing high grade pharmaceuticals, uh-huh. and I and I believe Australia intends to leverage that. The supply shortages in Germany and potentially in Canada mm-hmm. might be an opportunity for Australian operators to take that their product from the local supply and, and move that internationally. Mm-hmm. In the in the last two years, more than fifteen countries have, have created a medical program. Thailand, for example, in in um, Asia Pacific region, has just recently announced its intentions to legislate uh, cannabis for medical use. So as this starts, as, as this shift in perception charts to change around the world, so too will the opportunities for product to be supplied to countries that are developing their, their local supply chain, just like the Australian infrastructure is um, developed in a similar fashion. For the first two years, we have had no local product mm-hmm. and we've been receiving most of the product from, from Canada and the Netherlands. So this is how Australia will, um, I guess, develop its um its international um footprint yeah as well as that the amount of research that's being conducted in australia is is there's quite there's quite a bit there's there's a number of clinical trials being developed here in australia and eventually the the intention will be to have pharmaceutical products that have gone through past phase three clinical trials and those products will then be positioned for a global market and we have an excellent reputation for high-grade pharmaceuticals as i mentioned so That's long game for Australia, and, and as cannabis is more widely adopted internationally, so too will the opportunity for those products to be shipped internationally. With that being said, we do have competitors. You know, you look at Colombia, for example, where they've got quite liberal medical cannabis legislation and a, a strong intention for export. Couple that with uh, low cost labor and ideal growing environments, you're going to have a pretty competitive product price yeah. um, to contend with. So it's quite volatile right now where where the market sits in regards to who's going to own it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that the lag 
is quite significant. Australia has had a few years ahead of other countries, and we also have a fantastic legislative system in respect to its professionalism and and its structure. Yeah. So I, I anticipate that countries will model a similar medical system around the Australian infrastructure. I know that if you look at Israel, they're going through a legislative reform right now, so they're trying to kind of the, the industry's grown in in Israel over the last ten uh, years or so. And now they're trying to introduce legislation and regulations around the quality control and, and the systems in place to ensure that patients are getting a consistent product uh, and it's distributed through a, a measured system. Uh, Australia already has that built in from day one. So our infrastructure, although it's restrictive, it will be highly effective in the next five years or so. So, so you know, there's, there's opportunities and it's hard to say what which ones are going to be the most practical, but I, I really believe that the the train has left the station, and it's only a matter of time before cannabis at a global scale is uh, is implemented. It's, it's really quite exciting to see. After Australia, again, about 15 countries have followed in pursuit. Mm-hmm. So it's just a cascade effect now. Yeah, I do think for Australia, the the international market is is the bigger play. I mean, is that is that where you think the the big money is going to be in a couple of years? I think the big money will be China. Yeah, supplying China. The, the, yeah, I do. And we have very strong um, trade relationships with China. So I imagine that will be leveraged in, in due course. But the local market's the most important to focus on for, for us. There are 20, the patient population, the population of Australia is about 26 million. Mm-hmm. The, the pain population in Australia sits between 3.5 to 5 million uh, people. And uh, about 73% of the pain population are prescribed some sort of opiate, opiate yeah. and for only it's about it's 58 percent of that is effective so there's a massive gap of patients that aren't receiving um, yeah, medicines several, that are actually worth several million people there that that could benefit from a good high quality medical marijuana product yeah yep and that's only for one that's that's just for pain yeah you know there, there there's there's other patient groups that are going to also need this medicine that are that are severely affected so i think the local market will be strong enough to support the the companies here but it's very hard to say where the industry is going to go because it depends if, if it's a, there's a pharmaceutical approach that's adopted, if there's a medical approach, approach doctor, or if it's a recreational approach. Um, all of them will have very different market focuses. So Australia, as I said, there's a much stronger focus on pharmaceutical-grade cannabis. So for any country that's looking to implement a pharmaceutical model, Australia will be an, an ideal hub for a product. Yeah. But uh, you look over at Canada, it's a, the system's much more medical and less less pharmaceutical focus, and it's it's the the accessibility is is more it's quite evident. It um, the yep. patient population grew last year by more than two hundred twenty seven percent. So there's there's a significant uptake, but it's because it's not as regulated as Australia. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like there's this whole kind of game right now between level of regulation, adoption, development of the industry. We'll see which curve crosses which curve in the next couple of years, but it's uh it is it is. I've I've seen the sort of big differences in that even even here in the U.S. on a you know state by state basis, it's really affecting how how the market's developing. Yeah, and the fact that it's federally illegal makes it even more well, interesting. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's all, all yeah. these all these little supply chains on a state by state basis. We'll see what happens if we actually get it. Uh, and it's disappointing. I think uh, America's losing out on a significant opportunity. I mean, the, the the amount of IP or the amount of the amount of knowledge in America that exists yeah. is it's incredible. You know, you look at some of the genetic strain, the genetics that have been developed over in America over the last decade. It's unfortunate to see that locked away for another few years. Um, I truly hope that the country gets its act together and some of that knowledge can be shipped internationally because it would be very well utilized, yeah. especially in a country 
like Australia, where we're trying to do rigorous research and understand really how this product works. And and then even looking at, you know, the, the characterization of the entourage effect and really looking, trying to understand how this plant works on a molecular level. The more countries that get involved in a project like this, the better it is. And this is something that we're working on with the Global Cannabis Corporation, is effectively trying to characterize the entourage effect, working with uh, licensed producers, doctors, and patients to really understand not only what a patient gets and, and how it works, also ensuring that the doctor reports back so that they're yeah. jeweled or there are multiple data points that are recorded, but really characterizing the, the chemical profile so that we can say over time, mm-hmm. after thousands of people have used this product, that these are the active therapeutic ingredients. And then we can create targeted medicines, which is fantastic. It's It's really... It would be a wonderful uh, day when we see and we truly understand how the, the 480 plus molecules in the cannabis plant work. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it, it's one of the things that really makes this industry so fascinating because you have you have business aspects, you have scientific aspects, you have organizational, operational delivery, supply chain aspects. I mean, it, it is multiple levels of challenges, all of which the solutions to will dramatically increase you know, it's, it's effectiveness and the growth of the, of the whole industry. So yeah, it is certainly a challenge that we have here in the States. It's this, this whole sort of state by state regulation and then the kind of the, the walls that we've put up make, make it difficult, you know, also makes opportunities. Uh, I've seen a lot of interesting uh, businesses and a lot of business ideas out there that are finding ways to take advantage of that and find, uh, finding ways to leverage it. So I'd be curious to see how things play out. Adam, this has been great. We're just about at time. Um, I wanted to give you a chance. If people are interested in learning more about you, about Budding Tech, uh, about the councils you sit on, uh, about the Australian market just in general, what's the best way to get a hold of you and learn more? Adam at BuddingTech.com is my email address. You can uh, shoot me a line. I'll respond. Our websites, BuddingTech.com and the medical, MedicalCannabisCouncil.org.au, resources there. Uh, Budding Tech has a weekly mail out that we send that uh, provides updates about the global industry. So I highly recommend uh, tuning into that. Fortunately, we're not so big on the uh, social media, but that's that's changing in due course. Um, (laughs) So we'll we'll stick to the websites and the email addresses for now. Sounds good. And I'll make sure for the listeners that all of that information is in the show notes so uh, they can click on those. Adam, this has been great. And uh, we will keep in touch and hopefully we can do another episode sometime when the market's a little farther along. It'd be an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the time. It was a pleasure to chat. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.